You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Marty Foster. Good evening, gentlemen. It's good to have all of you here. Marty, it's fantastic to have you back. I know it's been a while. We did Room 101 the last time you were on. And to be honest with you, we're going to go do another one of those things because I really enjoyed that. Although I think I will be the judge next time because I had, I had a good uh, time with that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you to be the judge next time because that way I'll get a chance to vent some of my spleen about the things that I don't like. So, yeah, that would be fantastic. How are you guys? Good to see you, Bruce. Good to see you, Ned. Oh, sorry, Johnny. I've accidentally introduced Ned. I'll let That's you do okay. that now. That's okay. We have a very special guest joining us tonight. Uh, new guy to the uh, to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Ned from the UK, welcome. How are you this evening, sir? Uh, not too bad. Of course, I'm here because, like many people, I'm just tired of being neutral. So, you know, have tired something of being to neutral. say. Okay. All right. Yeah. That seems to be a common sentiment these days of, of a lot of people. So why don't you give us a brief backstory, whatever you're comfortable with, give us a brief backstory about uh, yourself, your interest in politics and things that concern you right now with all of this uh, this craziness. We're going to get into a lot of things tonight. We're going to get into uh, some of the actions that are being taken by uh, the police. We're going to strictly <laughs> stick to the UK tonight, but we might drift in, through the course of the organic conversation. We might be drifting over into the US side of things. But a lot of people in the US at the moment are kind of everything in the news over there, everything in the mainstream media is being thrown at them from the US point of view. No one's really paying attention about what's going on in other parts of the world. So we want to try and you know, we bring you guys on from the UK because we want you guys to give perspective of what's happening uh, in your country uh, right now, because the policies are, are pretty similar. Uh, and, and the procedures that are, and the actions that are being taken by not just the government, but also law enforcement that are carrying out the um, the requests of the governments themselves are pretty similar. So let's uh, let, let's go ahead and start with you. So uh, give us, like I said, give us a little backstory, whatever you're comfortable with about yourself and then your interest in politics and what your take is on things right now. Well, I'm just sort of an everyday bloke. But at the end of the day, I mean, most people are putting up with everything. It's just becoming one thing after another. I mean, but there's so many different changing events out there. It's just piling up and it's it's it seems to be spiraling out of control. And like politics, you want to know what politics do I swing to? If I listen to politics, especially in this country, it's what's not said. It's like, of course, we have two opposing political points. Yeah, that are usually playing like public school boys at each other all the time. But it's what they both don't say. It's like it's what. Uh, in the long term, if they didn't speak about a few years ago, they didn't speak about, say, how they're going to get the pension age to go up so they can save billions of pounds, get it to 70. Well, they started decades ago implementing education and then stay at school till you're 18. Let's get them into doing a degree. When there's enough people doing a degree, we'll have to have two and we'll make sure the first degree is pointless. So then they've got them in there till 30 blah, 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 blah. So they, they think in the long game. And it's like COVID is what's not being said. It's like, well, COVID is a virus. Yeah. And it's linked to the common cold, which they haven't found an answer to. But 
yeah, there are easier ways to cope with it. You do not need a vaccine because why do you need a vaccine for a virus that is changeable, that's linked to the common cold? You're, what is it because then next year they're going to use the vaccine again, but tell them it's slightly different to implement something. Then the next year, so they're going to get them into a new norm. Yeah. Why the vaccine? No point. I mean, you've got doctors all over the world. You've got Russian doctors. You've got American doctors. You've got Chinese doctors that have been in these events in China. They used masses of vitamin C. It's not a sexy drug, so the farmer doesn't like it. But your normal daily dose as a bloke would be 90 milligrams. Uh, but they were putting 10 to 20 grams of this stuff into people on a daily basis and curing it. And this was in Beijing. But it's out there. Why isn't it published out there in the normal papers? What, what not it an interesting fact? I mean, it's an anti-inflammatory. It helps viruses hit your lungs. You know, it is a, uh, I mean, and then you've got your natural stuff. You got, I mean, you could go into the medical side of things. You could go deeper. You, your body has natural antioxidants, which it produces to fight off those lovely radicals that you produce every time you do anything, whether you walk, whether you're expending energy, those free radicals, which are the nasty things. You've got some of the best antioxidants. It's called GSH. Your body produces it. Masses of rates until you're about 30. Then it slows down a bit. Then a lot of things start to peak off then as just you get to, older. Just to play devil's advocate for a second, Ned. Go for <clears> it. So... All of those things you're saying the body produces, which I don't doubt for a minute. In fact, we've we have talked at length about our natural protections and our immune system. But when COVID first kicked off and the vulnerable were told to shield, um, it was all those people with these pre-existing conditions whose bodies perhaps don't produce. Ah, the, there those is an things. answer though. The simple answer is what? Why would the world? Shut down. What is the massive thing out there that affects? If you took vitamin C, uh, just vitamin C, it gets broken down. Your antioxidants, your natural antioxidants get broken down by pollutants, external pollutants, your own pollutants, and obviously there's age. So where you get a heavy concentration of this, so everybody, they shut the world down and went, whoa, why? It all comes down to a money base, doesn't it? Because if you think about it, if your hospitals got overloaded, yeah? The, the yeah. expense, but the thing is, the expense of that would just be too much for them. So it's easy to say, I mean, when you've got a system like in England where they go, oh, yeah, everybody can go home and we'll pay you 80% of your wage. Well, that just shows you that money exactly. means absolutely nothing to, to governments and to these world organizations that are um, putting this situation upon us. Yeah, there's um, an ulterior motive, isn't there? Look at the the efforts they they had to put together the Nightingale hospitals, four thousand bed hospitals. Two were created in, within the country, one in Birmingham, one in London, and they treated exactly six or seven. I say exactly four patients. Thank you, Johnny. Mm. So that that's all they 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 treated in that first outbreak, and now we're to believe. We're being told the same thing, you know, cover your face, wash your hands, give space, save the NHS. Oh, I'm all for saving the NHS. It's to keep you safe. It's for your own good. How many times have you heard that? You know, you mentioned a few things there. You mentioned a few things there about um, 
uh, about vitamin C and and therapeutics. And that's that's one of the things that uh, you know I, I've noticed since the onset of this thing, since the start of this, from the U.S. officials to the the U.K. officials, to health officials, right? I'm doing the air quotes here to to all these officials that are out there in the public eye that we see. Same thing in the EU, all these EU countries. No one is talking about boosting your own immune system naturally through vitamins and mineral supplements. No one's talking about that. No one's talking about eating healthy. No one's talking about exercising. Hell, they're closing gyms down. So this is this is the antithesis of what you need to be focusing on if you want to stay healthy. It's almost like they want people to become sick, but... We do know that there is an ulterior motive, and I was I was kind of holding this thing up, and it's something that we've been keying on for quite some time. The World Economic Forum is after something called the Great Reset, and that's what it comes down to. That's what everything is is hinging upon with all this. That's where that goes. But we can get down into that. That's a big, long rabbit hole and a nasty spider web of all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff tied up into that, and it's a nasty mess. But to the average person out there that doesn't understand anything about that, it's easy enough of a sell for governments and uh, and, and bureaucrats and the like to do this. But specifically what you mentioned there about vitamin C here, when this initially started, German doctors were experimenting with something like what you were talking about. They were experimenting with mega doses of vitamin C, 24,000 milligrams to, uh, to be exact. And it was on a it was on a an IV drip over a period of 14 hours. And they were having great success with it in the very beginning. But after about 24 hours of the media talking about that, it was shut up and you never heard anything else about it. It, it just went away. And all of a sudden, well, vitamin C, you know, uh, it took me forever. I was able to grab some like the pure ascorbic acid in powder form. I mean, I buy a specific kind. I'm not going to mention the brand, but I buy a specific kind. And it doesn't come from China. It's very difficult to find some that doesn't come from China. <laughs> but um, well, they they took over pretty much. They wanted to become the sole source of ascorbic, pure ascorbic acid. Ever since that time, it took me uh, just until recently, I was able to order uh, some more. But you mentioned there about a daily dose. Me personally, I take uh, 1,000 milligrams of uh, ascorbic acid every day. I take 1,000 milligrams uh, in powder form. And I take it in um, a, in a glass of uh, of juice that I squeeze myself. So that that's what I take. But that's that's me. You know, that's my personal choice. No, no, and- it's, no. That's understandable because basically, at the end of the day, your body will safely flush out vitamin C it doesn't use, and you have all these external things like pollutants, and that will knock it down anyway. So it'll knock a percentage of your thousand milligrams down without you even knowing it. But your body will absorb about ninety milligrams. In Beijing, the actual Chinese had a group of people in intensive care and they hit them, you say 2.4 grams, yeah? They were hitting them with 10 to 20 grams. And I'll tell you what, every one of them came out of intensive care and survived. And that was over a period of 10 days. And they did it, tried it, worked it. And once again, who's holding it all back? The information. It should be free. It should be out there. You see, you've got me in a bit of a quandary there. First thing that I want to mention is... Why do we say 1,000 milligrams? Why not just a gram? A gram. Because um, yeah, it sounds medical when we say milligrams. Um, Makes me and sound the other thing more is, sophisticated, Marty. Makes me sound more sophisticated. <laughs> it would take more than a few choice words to make any American sound sophisticated. I'm terribly sorry. Touche. Um, but anyway, the news about this, this study, or rather this um, trial within China, the news about it comes from China. So I've got a quandary. I want to believe that a high dosage of vitamin C or ascorbic acid will, um, you know, really help the problem. But the news came from China. So I can't trust it. Sorry. 
but um, I need a little bit more convincing. Although you know the the science the actual, is there. The, act, the actual, I mean, the actual paper wasn't written by the Chinese, and it followed up with from a virologist paper, which actually came out from one of the universities in America. And uh-huh. the Americans are trialing VC drips alongside other pharma stuff, not as big doses, but they are doing it. But then actually, at the end of the day, they probably don't care because in a in a, a paying medical society, I'll make you pay for anything, it doesn't really matter. It's when people have got to understand. It's like in this country now, one of the latest things, you see, the major thing was the environment, the external pollution. I mean, they're now starting to say on our motorways, reduce your speed down to 60 mile an hour. And they're trying that out on some motorways to stop your exhausts, to slow them down. But why do they do that? Why are they doing it? Why they why they're doing it is just to make everyone's life a bit more difficult. It's just a, a yeah, form the, the, of, this, of uh, another form of compliance. Yes, and um, I you and I, um, our early careers meant that we had to follow orders without question. But we also gave orders, but they were thought about, and you got respected because you made the right move. If you made, did the wrong move, they mean yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it was stopped. Yeah, well, we've all met those, haven't we? Uh, you know, the the person who who likes to throw their um, their authority. You will respect my authority, Cartman. You know, we, we we've met those types, uh, and unfortunately, our elite—I say our elite, the world's elite—are exactly that, and and that's what they are trying to do with us. Well, they are it, flexing it their authority. Yeah, of course it is. It's. It, it, I mean, they spent decades creating. I mean, it's not a very nice thing to say, but at the end of the day, if you go back to a fundamental idea of the farm, yeah, mm-hmm. and the milk is the tax, how happy would they be if the majority of the farmer is in control? He has his all his cows, his fundamental ordinaries going out there, eating the grass, coming in and taking the milk. Happy as a jaybird. They will try and do that. They, they formed, I mean, the zero asset culture is here in this country. It's yeah. just about set. You've got they've they've now got because the I mean the final the blow was make you pay for your education at university at a high scale. So now you've got not only the youngsters can't afford to step out of their door, get a job which will pay for a roof over their head, it then needed two of them. And then they've got to have near enough a mortgage to pay for their education. So eventually they step out, everything will be rented, everything they will not own, but somebody at some level will own everything and it will be well above them. Yeah. If you are lucky to have something handed over, <clears throat> I mean, you look at your, I mean, you, you look at your adverts on TV. I mean, you've got the, the main ones, it steps up and now what are they trying to do? They got the adverts of the people saying to the people, do you know you could redecorate your house at an old age or you could use your equity, i.e. get rid of your house so you can't pass it on. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, give you yeah. a, on the nicety that you can hand some money over or whatever, but your house is gone. And that is the biggest thing that is needed to make the next generations of families That's feel more right. secure. The the elite owning ninety percent of the landmass uh is not enough for them. They want ninety-nine percent or even more. Uh and you're right. They, they want they want the lot. Johnny's mentioned this before. You said earlier on, Ned, about the you know pollutants. And Mm -hmm. the stage or the visible stage one of this process has been the environmental protests and those kind of things. 
But that wasn't working. That didn't grab people's attention, didn't cause enough fear. Extinction Rebellion. Yeah, Extinction Rebellion. But what is missing from the picture? The eco people aren't really shouting very loud. And why is that? Well, because no one's funding them to. No one's bussing them into protests anymore. They're they're bussing Antifa and BLM into protests now. Soros has has uh, stopped his transport scheme for uh, Extinction Rebellion, and he's opened it up for the other groups. So once um, again, it's what's not being said has got to be picked up on. Yeah, who's put yeah. their foot on that? You see, te- so it's all the silences. It's all the silences. It's what you got to read between the lines, not what they're shouting about, because that's what they verbally want you to hear. What I, goes for most political systems. What I want is all politicians to be fitted with some kind of LED display across the forehead <laughs> that tells us. Well, no, because it, 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 somehow it need that they, they need this this LED display that says whether they've been bought or not. And, you know, we, Johnny, Bruce and I have talked about these things at length. And one of the things that needs to happen is party politics needs to be got rid of because you cannot trust a single word a politician says. As soon as someone puts themselves forward to stand for office, they should be immediately disqualified because you know that they're, they're self-serving, self-seeking. Basically. No, ma- no matter what happens, yeah, everybody's got an agenda. Even us, we've got an agenda of trying to get the truth out there. Well, we we did a podcast a while back, Bruce, Johnny, you remember, where I asked the question of you guys, what do we expect from society? And what do we expect from society? Well, I haven't got an agenda other, other than I would like to be left alone to do my thing. It's the old pagan creed, do as you will, but harm none, you know, we moved into Christianity and that, that turned into 10 separate commandments. But do as you will and harm none covers that entire panoply, doesn't it? It, it? it covers it all. And that's all I want to do. I expect society to leave me alone um, to do my own thing as long as um, I'm doing no harm to anyone else. Right. Now, I, I want to I kind of shift up here a little bit. I want to get into uh, some other things. Um, and as you both mentioned, reading between the lines, and, and it does seem that way, especially if you look at the Rupert Murdoch side of things, if you look at his media outlets and the empire that he's built, Sun Papers, Sky News, Fox News in the US, right? Even the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, I'm, I'm sure you guys probably aren't familiar with who that is, but our American audience will know who that is. He was on Fox News just the other day. He mentioned something about uh, Antifa and BLM being George uh, George Soros funded uh, groups and all of this is done with George Soros money and no one's pointing it out and immediately as soon as he said that the show host and the other guest said well George Soros has got nothing to do with this we don't need to be talking about him and it was just that awkward 15 seconds of silence on a live program and he says well wait a minute but that's that's where it's coming from well we can't talk about George Soros why not and that's that's what it is that, that's where this is coming from. I mean, we look at Project Veritas uh, releases, and this has been going on for a long time. So it's not like this is anything new. This is not uh, some conspiracy theory when you talk about Soros. I mean, it's it's very well known that he's funded the color revolutions here in, in Eastern Europe. We know that he's done that. And he's also had ties to uh, the same type of um, movements called the Civil Society 2.0 movements in Central and South America. We know that he funds that as well. And of course, now he's tied in with all of these different movements in the US, in the UK, across Europe now, BLM, Antifa, and the money gets funneled through places like Act Blue, the Tides Foundation is involved, uh, and, and all these other entities. And it's just, it's it's a mess. But I, I wanted to, 
Yeah, I wanted to keep with uh, with the UK here. You guys are seeing protests, and I mean real protests. I'm not talking about uh, rioting in the streets that are being called mostly peaceful protests. I'm talking about people that are protesting the lockdowns, the coronavirus mandates, or, or whatever you want to call it, the government-imposed mandates. Now, this happened a while back. Trafalgar Square, there was a protest down there at Trafalgar Square. About 10,000, the Sun Papers is calling it, they were calling it 10,000 coronavirus conspiracy theorists. That's the one where David Icke <laughs> showed up and gave a speech down there. And of course, the American press and some of the uh, uh, press here on mainland Europe, they were saying, oh, it was just hundreds. It was no- nothing to see here. Uh, Bruce, you and I even talked about it. H- only hundreds showed up in, uh, in Trafalgar Square. We knew it was thousands. We knew it was thousands. We could see the, we could see the people, uh, how many were there. So let's, uh, let's talk about the, um, the fact that you've got people that are out there protesting now, and they're going to continue because, as you know, Boris is coming back and talking about uh, the six, which, Marty, you wanted to talk about the six tonight, which we'll get to that. But I want to cover the uh, the protest first. Also, they're talking about a 10,000 pound fine for anyone that breaks a lockdown quarantine. I've, they've done that at least twice already. Just and they've, they, They're just picking at the odd individual, you know, the, the odd nobody and just to headline it and stuff and do whatever. This, follow, again, yes, this follows on from what you guys were talking about yesterday. Yes, there were big protests. Unfortunately, the people at those protests weren't the kind of people that any government will take notice of. And this isn't meant to be uh, anti-youth or anti, you know, a class thing. It's people of my age that um have lived a little uh and we've got jobs we're the ones that should be out doing the protests but it's largely the younger generation which of course as ned mentioned earlier on are up to their eyeballs in student loans the government has already got their grip into them we're the ones who own our own homes we're waiting for our pension and that's the problem because we're we're in that pension trap if we go out and protest and uh, do the things that we should and and show you know our willingness to not comply we're the ones that are going to lose our future i've said it before we are still investing in this current society and for us to actually do anything meaningful we have to be prepared to give that up and it. yeah yeah and going way back probably almost to our second or third probably about our third podcast with me we talked about what it means to be a patriot and i boiled it down to someone who's willing to take the hit for the greater good of the country and obviously i've said greater good so i have to say it twice just same as in the movie hot hot fuzz the greater good so um th- this this is where we are we have got the people doing the protest or doing the protesting won't be taken serious uh, seriously until people like me are prepared to go out in the street and and say no. Then then yeah, it's but just- Marty, that's the epitome of everything at the moment. Like you say, you got the strangled hold on everything. That's what they want. They want people to worry and not step out there, even the younger ones. But because they have nothing to lose, yeah, yeah. But you know that the industry. You know the industry I work in. If I get my name put onto a list, I don't work in that industry anymore. And my my retirement, my you know dotage is gone. I might yep. as well throw myself off London I'll, Bridge. I'll convert my garage. Yeah, 
Yeah, but you won't have a garage because I'll have dragged you along to the protest with me, I and they'll have care, seized mate. your asset. They'll yeah. have seized your assets. If if so, I if um, I wanted to, that's where mate, we stand. You know what I'm like. I would just or don't stand. Down. I'm going to make yeah. some placards. Yes, marvelous. Make sure they can hold and up against a bit of leverage. I'll make I'll make a shorter one for you. Oh no, you'll need a taller one, won't you? Sorry. So that our profile placards yeah. are at the same height. Yeah. You're not going to get out of your shed door. You realize that. <laughs> out of curiosity, what's the, uh, specifically with the NHS, what are the influenza type um, hospitalizations uh, there? What you mean, numbers? Yeah, the, given the numbers. Or, yeah, or even the just a percentage. That, I mean, at, at, well. Uh, I don't actually know know the actual numbers. I don't look at them. I, I hate statistics. Um, uh, but the, the biggest problem we've got mm. at the moment is if anybody wants to go for a test, they've got everybody frightened. And the problem is the, system, the whole system is clogged up with parents who kids are getting colds. So they go, I mean, one traveled 120 miles to get told, no, you can't have a test. Why? Because they don't, they, 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 they don't, it's all this frightening and they've got everybody in a tiz because they don't understand that the common cold, although it's linked, is different. There are certain things that you've got to have. Your body temperature, if it rises by one or two degrees, there's a reason for it. It's fighting something. Just because you've got a bit of phlegm or a cough or you've got symptoms of a cold, there is no reason. But they're, they're, they're all running scared because fundamentally there's enough information Decent information being held back that would reduce that, uh, Deliber- uh, you know, deliberately <clears throat> held back. It's causing it all. It's it's just causing this stress running through it all. And it's not just that. It. I mean, you you've got on top of it all. You've got this. People are segregating themselves from people. They're getting families now segregating themselves from families. I mean, if I wanted to take my family somewhere, depending on the size of what the families are, whether the children can get together and the adults just, what do you do, sit outside the house and say, yeah, we'll get on with it, have a bit of fun, and we can come back home later because you are you are more than the allowed number in that house. You're, you're act- and, and people are actually, and when your own families or your friends are actually giving it, well, we've got to stick to this and whatever, that's all part of the pattern of getting them to give in, Yeah without thinking common sense. Intelligence is no good without common sense. Not at all. You can be the brightest person out there. So why, you know, why why are more people not seeing through the codswallop that that blonde-haired fop that I voted for um, (laughs) is is spouting? Well, you know, like everybody else, it's a culmination of decades of this slowly been worn away you know yeah. now now you've got like those younger generation that have nothing to live for because they're zero asset yeah what the hell whatever and that horrible saying of well that's the way it is is so mm. annoying well I, I i i dislike it is what it is is as yeah. a phrase that's that's worse johnny you put your finger up you clearly want to yeah. say something i th- i think it's a culmination of a few things like ned was just saying there i, th- I think it's a culmination of a few things it is 
it is this is a multi-generational problem. This is what we uh, we're talking about with the people that are in the streets in the U.S. right now, the, uh, like the, the BLM and the Antifa. This is one to two generations that are lost. I mean, you, you can't convince them of anything. You're bringing them up. And they're zero asset, like you said, so they don't value anything. They've been raised in their, their mother and father's basement, or if they even had a mother or father or uh, someone that actually gave a damn about them. They don't know what it's like to lose something. So they, they don't know what it's like to win. Everything's been handed to them. Everything's been this participation trophy mentality. So they've been taught about their feelings rather than what it's like to prepare yourself for life. So this is what provokes, uh, which we were talking about yesterday, this is what provokes an emotional response. This is why you can't have a conversation with them. So they just scream hysterics at you and then move on to the next thing. And it's also a culmination of what's happened in the media as well. You sit there and you watch the media, the mainstream media, and you read this this crap that's in the papers and you're on social media and you're indoctrinated into all this stuff. You can't think for yourself. You, you can't think for yourself. Thinking for yourself is discouraged in this uh, in this new way of uh, of doing things. So yeah. it's it's a big, <clears throat> big, nasty mess of all this stuff. And so how how do you reach them? Uh, we we have got, as you mentioned earlier, probably three generations fam- families that have for three generations survived on benefits. Um, so you've got grandparents who've never had a real job, uh, and they've brought children into the world. And because their parents knew how to get as much from the benefit system as possible, they never had a real job either. And now they're shelling out kids at an alarming rate. And um, I played Father Christmas, believe it or not, uh, at a local school. And this is a real indicator of of how society has gone. Um, I wasn't, I was briefed. I do not ask if this is your mum or dad. Do not say mum or dad to the kids. Say you're grown up. So the the the, the people bringing the kids into the grotto to get a, a gift and meet Father Christmas. Uh, I was very jolly, um, but not not as jolly as Bill. Bill has a much nicer costume. Our, our man Bill Campbell. He's got a much nicer costume and and the real beard, which you guys have seen. Um, so yeah, you can't say mum or dad anymore. You have to say you're grown up. Uh, and this is from the schools. So there's a big indicator of the way things have have gone uh, and and the way things are. That whole breakdown of the family support structure is is well underway. Uh, well, it's, not, and- it's not just that. I mean, as much as anything else, yeah. It's starting at an early age. You said you were Father Christmas. They're actually poisoning that nice idea of something else, which is an institution in its own. It just doesn't stay. If it starts at a kid's level or whatever, did did they allow the child to sit on your lap? Um, when they're grown up, um, asked if they could, we were permitted for the child to sit on the lap. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, but that is the society we are yeah, of, that, and it's evolving in the wrong direction in many very minor ways, which really do all add up to a bit of a mess. Oh, well, I, I remember um, going to see Father Christmas when I was a kid. Great experience, but the others that were some of the others would cry their eyes out and scream and shout because they didn't want to sit on Father Christmas's lap. Um, so <laughs> it's not something we force upon them, but oh, if, no. if their grown up says they can or asks if they might, then, then we do and have, and, and have a photograph. I'll probably be doing it again this year. Okay, I want to get into. Um I want to get into your health minister. Um, the British health minister, Matt Hancock, said on Sunday a second national lockdown was one possible step 
to curb the spread of the coronavirus. I, I'm trying to do this with a straight face because we know the agenda behind it. And it's laughable that they uh, that they continue to push this. Uh, but he was on the BBC the other day and he said, this is his quote. He says, if everybody follows the rules, then we can avoid further national lockdowns. But we, of course, have to be prepared to take the action if that's what's necessary. Do you notice that the common theme here amongst all Western nations, they all seem to say the same thing. If everybody follows the rules, then we can get through this a lot faster. Well, uh, let, let's start from the beginning of this thing. Uh, 14 days, you smash the curve and you go back to work. We followed the rules. We followed the rules in the beginning of all this. We did what we thought we had to do because you as the government came to us, the citizens, and said, we need your help because we can't trust what's coming out of China. So we don't want our health system to become overrun. So in order for this to possibly help, we don't want our health system to um, to collapse because if it collapses, then everything goes goes horribly wrong. So go home two weeks and we'll be done with this. OK, well, we did that. What makes you think if we if everybody follows the rules now that you can avoid further national lockdowns, you're going to come back with these things anyway. He says, I don't rule it out. I don't want to see it. Well, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. He said that three days ago. Fast forward to yesterday. Your man, Boris. Yeah, comes out, which I mean, I, I quite like Boris Johnson. I, I liked him on the uh, I liked him on the campaign trail. I liked the message that the, that the Tories had when they were talking about uh, just get it done. It was a simple message. It was going around Brexit. OK, fine. But now this thing gets thrown into the mix. And he says in his speech, he was talking to um, uh, he was talking to Parliament. He says that uh, he's warning of Britain facing six months of stricter lockdowns, which would wreck Christmas. You're talking about Father Christmas there. That's going to pretty much the holiday season's pretty much canceled if that's the case. But in the in a live address in the House of Commons, he told all the MPs that hospital admissions have more than doubled in the last fortnight, and Britain has reached a perilous turning point, like in France and in Spain, that forced him to act. Now wait a minute. I, I had said yesterday, or maybe it was the day before. I don't know. These things run together. If the hospitals were being overrun. If that was happening, you can bet every last bit of money you have in the bank that they would have every news camera down there in front of the place showing the world what was happening. If you had the hospitals filling up with people, they would hype that fear as much as humanly possible. But it's not happening. It's not happening. It's just not there. Now, I've said from the start of this thing, as well as everyone else here, we've said from the start of this thing, this is a real virus and you should take it seriously and you should take whatever precautions you feel are necessary to protect yourself, protect your family, your community and whatever else. OK, that's common sense. However, I don't believe in a one size fits all. I don't believe in, in a big uh, brush that comes in and paints over everything and say, well, we got to lock it all down. No, no. You don't quarantine healthy people. You don't do that. You quarantine sick people. But again, like you said, Ned, with the uh, the uh, the testing, everything's backed up in the system. So it's meant to be jammed up. That way it causes all this confusion and all this this hysteria that you can build off of. So it's not meant to be organized. And what makes you think that we would we would be able to trust any government to be organized in the first place? They, they just they don't they don't have a very good track record of running things, shall we say. This is why we don't trust them largely in the U.S., because they I mean, these idiots could screw up a cup of coffee. But again, Boris has come out and he's talking about significantly greater restrictions. Uh, and this is where we can get into the uh, the six points. All right, Marty, you wanted to talk about the um, <laughs> all I got from you in a text this morning was I want to talk about the six. OK, which we have the six here. Uh, let's start with uh, let me see. Number one, work from home if you can. Number two, pubs and restaurants closed from 10 p.m. I believe that starts in 48 hours. Three, face mask compulsory in all retail. Four, 
fined for not wearing masks doubled to 200 pounds, five weddings maximum of 15 people, and six adult indoor team sports off. So they're going to shut down all gyms again, I'm assuming. So let's start with number one. Uh, let's we'll just work our way right down through here. And, you know, you guys can can weigh in on this. Let's start with number one. Work from home if you can. Um, well, most people who work actually can't work from home because that utter cockwomble Tony Blair decided to turn us into a nation of service providers rather than manufacturers. And those services should be you know, capable of working from home. But if you're providing that service direct to people, you need to go and meet those people. So yeah, I can work from home. I'm lucky, but so many other people simply couldn't. Ned in his job, he couldn't he couldn't work from home. He'd he'd, he'd have to be there. You 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 cannot do everything from home. So it's it's basically again those types of people of my age, my level of education that can work from home, uh, who would be the ones that would be taken uh, seriously if we were protesting and uh, and uh, enacting civil disobedience. We're the ones who's largely unaffected by it because we can continue to work from home and we can continue to earn. So all lockdown has meant for me is I haven't seen so many people. And as I don't really like people, that's not been such a bad thing. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's a nonsense, you, isn't it? Gonna, work from yeah, home it is a nonsense if you can. If you can't, don't go to work. Don't go and meet people. Again, it's a nonsense piece of advice from uh, a bought and paid for government. But don't you don't you actually think it was a, a very clever move? To no, actually, it's not clever. Uh, no, wait, no, wait a second. On their behalf, clever doesn't mean it's right. Clever means can mean dark. If they furloughed most of the people and paid eighty percent of their wage, yes, so they went home and had two or three months. Eighty uh, percent of being paid, and they didn't have to move a finger. How many of those? Uh, quite a few of them actually didn't feel like going back to work. Yeah, when I said it's not clever, um, I meant for the same reasons as you meant it was clever. It is a Machiavellian thing that they're mm -hmm. doing. It is a dark thing, but it's not clever because I can see straight through it. Johnny can see straight through it. You can see straight through it. Bruce can see straight through it. So if the four of us um, have got our eyes open, so many other people have as well, but we are stuck in that position where we cannot risk um, the defiance that we need to be displaying because we are stuck in that pension trap. We're stuck in that trap where we will lose those jobs that we can work from home if we actually start yeah. kicking off about I think, it. Like I think what you're do. saying is we've well, been ethically and morally muted. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing, though, and I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, so I'm not disagreeing with you here. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. However, the, yeah. the other side to that is... To. Yeah, I understand. But the other side to that is, is that they're going to take everything anyway. Like all the pensions, all the, the, the property, everything. Understand, all that has to be gotten rid of. Everything that we talked about in this document right here that we did the podcast on about the agenda of societal change, anyone that's listening that wants to know what we're talking about with the Great Reset, please go back and give that a listen. Where Bruce, Marty, and myself did a podcast on the agenda of societal change. We talk about the Great Reset. Specifically, we go through their entire document on what they want to do with it. And in there, they take over everything. All of it, all assets, all all forms of finance, all of it. 
So uh, I agree with you that you're you're in that uh, you're in that position. I agree with you. But the fact is, is that they're going to take it all. They're going to bankrupt your business. They're going to. Now, OK, I, I was ta- I was having this conversation with somebody today and we talked yesterday about Deutsche Bank, right? Deutsche Bank has come out. One of their spokespeople have come out and they've said that there are going to be increased lockdowns all across Europe because of the unprecedented surge in COVID cases. OK, now, why is why is a, a bank head of an insolvent institution coming out and saying that? Why? <laughs> why, why is someone doing that? Why, why is he doing that? Why isn't some uh, health minister or something else? Why, why aren't they coming out and saying that? Why is a finance head coming out and saying that? Because it's not about that. Take Corona out of this. Remove it. Right. It, 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 just hypothetically. OK. Right at this moment, Corona doesn't exist. OK. Take it out of this scenario that we're talking about here. If they were to try this, the Great Reset, without COVID, what would happen? Well, yeah. COVID is They'd an instrument. Told to sod off, wouldn't they? They'd get told to sod off and they would also get marched upon. But instead, be such, they have to yeah, keep there would be such unrest. Oh, yeah, yeah, there'd yes. be such unrest. But yes. like you're saying, why are they doing a second shutdown? It's simple. Your businesses, I've never seen small things. businesses within the first few months, a lot of them went out the window because they weren't internet connected and they might have survived. You do a second shutdown and you get rid of some more. You start to streamline and get rid of the dross. It's a Control wonderful collapse. instrument. Yeah. But, but also, it, also whose fault they- is that? Your own, because. Your business isn't up to scratch. That's what they'll be saying. And they will see no fault of their own because they've done everything for the good of you. It is Which not- this rolls into pubs and bars, uh, excuse me, pubs, bars and restaurants closing at 10 p.m. OK, so this is this is affecting mm. business. So we're, we're transitioning right into this. Marty, do you want to make your last point on that before we transition to pubs and, and restaurants? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I've never seen things move so rapidly into law as as these restrictions have the the levels of fines the offenses have been written into law so fast your feet don't touch the ground but also we're moving now into the pubs and the small businesses they were given loans they were given loans um from the government which do have to be paid back to cover their um the, the initial lockdown so they suffered that the loans just kept them at uh, operating level, or, you know, with their, their operating finance. This second lockdown will now, I haven't heard any mention of any further loans or extensions or anything like that. The furlough system has been sucked back on and withdrawn. So this is the coup de grace. This is the killing stroke for small businesses so that only the large corporations can survive it. And, um, it's absolutely despicable, and I hope our listener uh, tells all of his friends that um, you know this is what's happening because word needs to get around, and it, it just doesn't seem to be there. And yeah, the label conspiracy theorist uh, is being used in in its ad hominem uh, style to make what we're saying mean nothing. Face masks compulsory in all retail. Now, 
Okay, I, I I believe in I believe in the rights of of the business. Okay, so I, I'm I'm kind of torn on this one. Okay, I, I know that uh, when it comes down to example things like what you're doing there, uh, Marty, that uh, <laughs> the paintball mask you're putting on, and for airsoft. Yeah. But I understand the uh, the aspect of of businesses wanting to protect themselves, and, and I'm respectful of that. So if a business wants to take it upon themselves to put that in, fine. Okay, I I'm not in disagreement with that. I will respect the rules of that business. So if that's if that's what has to happen for that business in order to uh, protect themselves from being sued or, or whatever, okay, fine, fine. So because you know how people are these days with lawsuits and all that stuff, they'll sue anybody for anything. So I, I can I can respect that. However, I have a problem just like Bruce has a problem when the government gets involved and says, now we're going to mandate that you have to do all this. Not we're not going to mandate the business. We're going to mandate you, the citizen, wherever you go. Uh, And on top of that, you know, that we can kind of roll these into one, three and four Uh, face mask compulsory for all retail and fines for not wearing a mask double to 200 pounds. Marty, you mentioned there about things moving so fast in this stage of societal change, shall we say, which is kind of goes along with with everything. Things move faster. Historically, when you start looking at the way that civilizations rise and fall, they move fast in the end. In the end time, they, you know, I'm not talking about the end times as in like the biblical times. I'm talking about in the times of civilization collapse. Things move really fast. Same thing when you enter into any type of uh, totalitarian regime in a nation, all right, on a smaller scale. Things move fast and they get faster. I, I liken it to those things. I don't know if you ever had these in the UK, but in the US, we had these uh, giants. It was almost like a funnel that would be sitting on top of a bin and it, they were in shopping malls and you would drop a coin off the edge of it and it would go around and around and around. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Those things. Yeah. 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 We yeah. had those. Yes. OK. Think of think of that as think of that coin that's circling as time and law. OK. As you as you get closer to the center, what happens? It gets faster and faster and faster until eventually it gets into a, a frenzy and it drops down into the the black hole and you never see it again. OK. We are probably to the point where we're about to start hitting that very fast cycle and we're going to drop down in there if we don't put the brakes on this. Yeah, if we don't put (laughs) the brakes on So, I mean, we we don't want to go down in there, okay? Because we know what happens when we go down in there, okay? We don't want to go down in there, right? When we go down in there, this is where we end up right here with this, okay? With with, uh, the reset. That doesn't work on audio, Johnny. You've done that about five times now. I understand, okay? But (laughs) I'm pointing to I'm pointing to the document about the Great Reset, okay? That that. That's what this yeah. is. So um, that, that's yeah, where no, we go well, with that. That, that, that. That's right, though. But I mean, those e- even something as small as those face masks you're talking about, yeah? Now, whereas you used to be, even a, a small adage, you used to go into a restaurant or somewhere where you eat, it, as soon as you step through the door, it came off because it was a restaurant. So people went there. Now it's different in a lot of places. Even in your costas and things like that, you have to wear it up, order and only take it off when you're situated at your table. And a little niggly effect. You go into a, an area where there's loads of biz- businesses, all of them in one area, yeah? And you want to go to four or five places. You go to one. Oh, can you um, do your hands? Thank you. Can you put some of this gel on your hands? You go into the first one. You got your face mask on. la did I Go around there. Go to the second one. Put some more on, yeah? 
Some person stopped the other day. Their hands were like a dermatological nightmare because they'd used too much of this and they were trying to explain to the person, I can't, it's hurting, whatever. Can you please do that? And then you step up and say, well, you've got to use a bit of common sense here. Leave the person alone. That lasts for a period of time. It's fine. They put a face mask on. They go around there. They've only got to the second place and they don't feel like shopping anymore. So the three other businesses they were going to go to and spend money suffers. So it all adds up. That's one person. Now, if that's happening to the thousands of people that can't be bothered to go shop in these places, it still affects the businesses. And a lot of them will suffer indirectly. There's loads of these little things that pile up and are instrumental in the little downfalls of these different places uh, because it's all based on the loss of money. Those that can afford it, engineer it, and those that can sit back and watch people fall. And it uh, is. It's, it, it's, it's just, it's, go on. No, I was going to just say that that figure uh, for the furlough pay of 80% of your salary, that 80% is, is a very significant figure because that's how much Agenda 2030 wants to reduce the, the human race by. 80%. And all these small isolations, these these little things that make us less happy, um, you know, happy creatures um, tend to live longer. And uh, oh, yeah. the, the more and more they can, they can make us unhappy, the less we'll want to live for longer, uh, the less we'll take care of, of ourselves, and we'll start achieving their aims for them. Um, Stress is a killer. Yeah, it is. And and, uh, we've said it many times, have we not, men, that our ability to offload our stress in a podcast is is one of the things that's that's kept us going and and not turn completely crazy and managed to keep a sense of humor about it. Well, I've got a sense of humor. I still want to do that. Yeah, I still want to create that segment called Marty's Leather Couch. Yeah, sit down, take your shoes off. And don't forget to pay the girl on the way out. Marty's leather couch. Which what what was what's a couch called that the psychologists have? It's called a couch, Ned. No, the singular one where you know that <laughs> a thing. chaise a chaise long. A chaise long. That's it. Marty's were, chaise long. I think yeah. it should be called Marty's chaise long. Fnaf fnaf. <laughs> <laughs> to you guys' point about continuing this and and basically making people's lives less enjoyable in America, that's a really I have to choose my words carefully. It's a dangerous proposition to continue grading the American people and and disgruntling them because um, we have a Second Amendment. And if the government continues to do that, there's going to be someone that stands up. You know, there's going to be a group of people that stands up. I don't (laughs) here in the U.S., it's actually difficult to buy a gun right now and ammunition. And it's not Mm. because they stopped making them. And it's not because it's because everybody's buying them. Everybody knows feels the tension. Everybody's and people you talk to that are going to the to the gun stores, they're all saying it. We we know what's coming. We can feel it. And they're yeah. all buying guns and ammo. So, well, you know, I mean, it, it's, 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 longer it's a risky than that. game. Yeah, it's, it's longer than that. I remember when I was at my last trip to the States, I remember people and it, these are people I've known for decades. Right. And, and they even told me when I was there at that time, this is I mean, long before any of this crazy stuff started popping off. Even back then, they were saying, I had somebody telling me I'm buying all this stuff. I mean, we we were going through taking. I was helping them take inventory, and we we're going through. And I was like, "What? What's what's all this?" And they said, "I'm buying. I don't even know why I'm buying, but I, I can feel there's something that's not right." And you know, I, like I said, I've known these people for decades, and they don't talk like that. 
You know, that like that that's never been stuff that, that we've talked about. Uh, look, uh, Americans, Bruce, you can attest to this. Americans, we don't like conflict. We don't. We, we just want to be left alone. But I'll tell you something. As an American, I don't care where I'm at. I, I don't care where I'm at. You come for us and you put your boot on our face. We're going to snap back and we're going to bite your face off. That's how it is. That's how it is. That's not some tough guy talk either. I mean, we have the Gadsden flag for a reason. Don't tread on me, meaning you step on us. We're going to bite you. We're going to strike. And we played the clip here of of Mr. Schwab from the World Economic Forum. He even said in his own words, well, it's probably not going to go well for us. But what other choice do we have? We have to try. Uh, Okay, how many times are we going to hear that statement in history? How many are you going to lose this time? Okay, you have to try. Well, guess what? You have to try. Well, guess what? We have to try too. And that's what we're going to do. And like I said, I don't care where I'm at. You got people that are marching up in the streets of Berlin by the tens of thousands, the hundreds of thousands, hell, even the millions that broke it. 1.3 million people they put in the streets up there about a month ago. And you know something? They're not carrying signs for the German government. They're not carrying signs for the EU. They're carrying signs saying, Mr. President, make Germany great again. That's what's happening up there. You got people by the tens of thousands hanging out in Trafalgar Square protesting all this stuff. Good UK citizens that want their lives back. And I don't blame them. You deserve to get your lives back. And it's as simple as what I've said. It ends when we say it ends. It's it's as simple as being peaceful. You don't have to be violent in the face of this. We don't have to listen to these people. But if we want our lives back, all we have to do is stand up. But it starts with becoming politically aware. People have to become politically aware first and foremost, and they have to understand what's going on. As you were talking about, Ned, with common sense, people have lost the common sense. They, they've lost all all aspects of trying to sit down and reasonably talk about things in a, in a rational sense. They can't do it. So people can be civil. We can come to a common ground solution on all this, but we have to be willing to sit down and recognize first and foremost what the problem is and where it's coming from. I think that's where we have to start. But uh, I, I guess I'm kind of drifting here. Weddings, maximum of 15 people. Of what purpose does this serve? It serves the purpose of um, reducing that shared experience that builds friendships, that strengthens family bonds, that brings about all those things that they're trying to break down so that the only support network we have is the government and the big institutions. So that's what it does. Greatest day in your life when you married your wife was what? Not exactly what I thought it would be. Again, and that is it, it deflates the whole thing. Deflates, makes it, yeah. So it's another psychological kick. Yeah, it just you know they are not permitting us the common sense. We had another na- phrase in in the navy. It was CDF, but I can't tell you what that stands for. <laughs> um, it, it's yeah, they're not allowing us to use our our common sense. Common sense yeah. to isolate grandpa and grandma. If if they're if they're too vulnerable, then they don't come. But everyone else can be there. Um, you know, if you're fit and healthy, um, what, why not? Like you said earlier on, you don't quarantine healthy people. You quarantine sick people, and you shield vulnerable people. So those kind of decisions should be down to the family and the venues where these weddings happen. They want the business. They will okay. Do it within the um, mask wearing, hand washing, social distancing regulations. But 15 people at your wedding, 
that's that's like how many p- people you have at your third wedding in in the register office. Yeah, that's not that's not the big church wedding, is no, it? Think but, about it. Yeah, in certain areas in countries, you have families that will exceed somewhere at fifty to a hundred people. There was a hundred and fifty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now the one I went to recently. Yeah. Now, we've all had big weddings, but the thing is, what usually happens at weddings is arguments of who's going to be there. And if they Uh, can't be there, it causes breakups, it causes fractures, it causes a lot of grief. And when somebody has to choose 15, I think they'd be better off saying, I'm not getting married this year. Well, look, in in actual The fallout will be incredible in actual fact there's two points here one is the wedding thing i think it's got out of hand quite frankly the size of the and and the amount of money people spend on weddings they'd be much better off spending it on the deposit for their house so that they can own their house rather than rent it and christmas this year's christmas is going to be absolutely interesting that's no, going to be trite. <laughs> I think if if we cancelled Christmas, and, and do you know what? It's not even just a Christian thing because I lived in the Middle East, was. as you know, and even the Muslims in Abu Dhabi and Dubai celebrate Christmas because it's such a good festival. But yeah. people spend a fortune on it. A lot of the debt that most people have, you know, working class people who live paycheck to paycheck, most of the debt they have results from overspending at Christmas. They max out the credit cards. They spend the rest of the year paying again, that off. Once again, that's a modern thing, isn't it? It's No. It's, it is no. a modern thing. It used to happen in my childhood, and you wouldn't call back that time, you know, all that time ago that modern. People used to spend too much. People have always spent too much, you know, keeping up with the Joneses on things. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the problem is certain societies go to extreme. It's like our society is different to America. Yeah. In our society, we have a hell of a welfare state and stuff. And a lot of people, I mean, you can have will know how to work the system and they would complain that they can't put food on the table because they had to buy an Xbox for their child. Yeah. I mean, that it's all topsy-turvy. It just does not make sense. And once again, you, you talk about the weddings and things like that. It's all about breaking down communities. You lose the community spirit. That means the neighbours don't speak to each other. They don't support each other. The community <clears throat> spirit is what keeps the people energised. Oh, and I've... that is something they must never forget because they will not speak out if they shut that down. I 100% agree with you. I'm just a bit of a curmudgeon, and I think people spend too much on weddings these days and too much on Christmas, and they'd be better off uh, not going into the debt or using the money that they've paid for a huge wedding for other things. I agree, but I will also disagree. Their money, their problem. If they want to do it that way, fine. I will not put my stamp on somebody else's life that way. I mean, no, but, I, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. Like I said, I've got an opinion on everything, and you're welcome to it. <laughs> you're all welcome to it. Yeah, you, if, since yeah. the since the beginning, since the very first one that we did with you, yeah, you've you've got an, a considered and informed opinion on everything in the world, and we're welcome to it. Mm-hmm. Number six, uh, this is the final point. Adult indoor team sports are now off. So. I'm assuming uh, basketball and anything inside of a gymnasium, all that stuff, all, all that's now off limits. I'm assuming this would now include gyms as well. So you, you can't like it, it seems that way. Yeah, is, 
Yeah, you, you were talking there about therapeutics. Exercise is a stable. Like most people don't know, you're supposed to walk or run at least one mile or 1.6 kilometers a day. That's like, that's what you're supposed to do a day. So staying. Yeah, exactly. So staying in a sense of, of being healthy. I mean, I'm in the gym almost every day. I take a couple of days off a week, usually, unless I go and and run, but it's imperative that people stay active. You have to stay fit. You have to stay uh, in a sense of, of keeping yourself, I almost want to say bolstered because you want to prepare yourself for any type of you know uh, uh, assault against your system. So and by that I mean by staying healthy then you can fight off infections better. So th- it's well, almost that, like they correct. again they want yeah. they want to remove this. But if you think about it the hardest hit people are going to be the youngsters because by the time you're 19 or 20 that is when your body structure's set. You can put your muscle on after that and lose it. But your health is usually built up to a certain standard by the time you're 19 or 20, yeah? And if you get all these lockdowns and things and uh, and you change the ideas of the youngsters, you're going to get generations of sick cases because later on in life, they are just not going to be able to cope. Well, and, and, go on. It, no, I was just, just going to say this, this thing about organized sports – so you've got a severe respiratory disease, you're fully symptomatic, and you, you're going to decide to go and play football, yeah? Uh, no, no, you're not. You're going to stay at home and get yourself well. So the people turning up to do these sports are fit really and healthy. Healthy anyway. And yeah. anyway, and you know, I, I went to the gym the other day, and I hadn't been for a while, so I used every machine. I had a cappuccino, I had a chocolate bar and a bag of potato chips. I thought Why maybe have you they tried got the- those? I thought maybe you tried the uh, – my gym serves beer, yeah? My, my gym <laughs> serves beer. Oh, wow. And it really does. Well, we, um, we were supposed I thought to maybe, get back- I thought maybe you were going to tell me you tried one of those uh, those workout routines that I sent you. No? I, I did try those. I, I, I printed them off and I used them uh, because my table leg was wobbly, so I stuck them under <laughs> – anyway, no, I haven't. I have not tried those yet. But – um, I've got a Navy every- SEAL workout I will send you. Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're not real special forces, are they? Not like British special forces. No <laughs> offense, you guys. All that, all that stuff about um, yeah, syn- synthesized, was- synthesized drowning. There was a oh, song. That, I believe, that is a bit scary. It rings, runs my mind. There was a song. I heard it. I heard it once from a World War II veteran. Something along the lines of "There'll always be a Britain as long as there's a USA." I, I, something along. Yeah. I can't quite remember. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah. continue. It was just something small. Nothing. No, there's major. one thing I do agree with you though. Why? Why are they doing it? They've had all these gyms have actually made compartmentalized areas away from each other, so people can train at distances on their floors and everything else, so they don't encroach on each other's area. Now, they've honest, gone and complied, no, and now yeah. they've been shut again. Yeah, but the thing is, oh. inside a gym where you are breathing heavy, if you're doing um, cardio stuff, your um, exhaled miasma is probably quite expen- you know, expansive. It, it, it goes out. Doing sport in a, on a sports field or in a, you know, a large, area. an open area, um, the risk of cross-infection uh, of you breathing in somebody else's exhalation is so much less. However, right. I, I would, yeah, well, well, I would say in a gym it's probably increased. So whilst I don't think people who are in need of a ventilator are going to make their way to the gym, 
and they probably could still be used. But there is a greater risk of breathing in somebody else's exhaled air within a a, a confined space of a gym uh, as compared to a sports field. Are they meant to wear face masks while they play sports? No, no, they're not, because there's a huge risk of hypoxia (laughs) if they do. How far does a sneeze go, Marty? I don't know. Ask Bruce. How far does a sneeze go? Um, uh, uh, about 20, 20 some feet. Yeah, because it, it comes out at it comes out at ninety miles an hour. It goes and a lot further than that. It can go I inherited really far. And I inherited just, uh, my sneeze from my late grandmother. It's incredibly loud. It can shatter glass. Okay, here is a <laughs> here's a breakdown of everything that Boris Johnson had mentioned in. I believe it was his uh, his address to the nation. I don't know if that's actually happened yet. Uh, maybe you guys can uh, confirm that. Uh, no, it, it happened. It happened yesterday. It happened yesterday. Okay, so here's basically what he said. Here's a rundown. 10 p.m. curfew for all pubs and hospitality venues will come in from Thursday, where doors will have to be closed, and they will have to offer table service only, except for takeaway deliveries, which can continue. Tougher enforcement powers for shutting down venues, which don't force people to stay apart. The military could be called in by police to help enforce the new rules. I don't like that one, but I know you explained that once before. People should work from home if they can, or if their workplace isn't COVID safe, but the MPs will stay in Parliament. See, of course, they're important. They have to stay there. I would say furlough all non-essential government workers because I think they're all non-essential at this point anyway. It's just my opinion. Essential government workers. haven't. If I believe in this country now, they are actually employing people to tell, actually paying them. You know, like you have traffic wardens that hang around to see a parked car and give them a ticket. They're actually employing people and paying them a good wage to Mm -hmm. actually look out for groups of people and dobbing them in. And they're actually paying people to do that in this country. I think that's no bad thing for one reason. Those groups of people in town centres, in bus stops, uh, on council estates, that's community housing in American terms, they are gathering. They are a problem. What should have happened is the police should have shut down, shut them down and moved them on some time ago. Not because they're spreading COVID. It's because they're vandalizing, using drugs, making a lot of noise, upsetting people and frightening old age pensioners. Okay. I I I get your point. But what about the ethical and the moral point of where this is coming from? If they start jobs, official jobs of people, snitching on other people that's far too big brother for me no i i i totally agree and that is the line that doesn't get lost under personal grievance in this country we are policed by consent i do not consent to being snitched on by somebody who couldn't get a real job (laughs) and well you're not going to find me hanging around in large groups on a street corner are you you're going to find young kids teenagers people with nothing to do because uh, of social decline, because there's no youth centres. They couldn't go to a youth centre anyway because you're not allowed to meet in, in groups. So, yeah, they've got us coming and going, Ned. That's the trouble. Exactly. It's just a whole wind-up where they're eventually trying to rip apart the structure. So, But the thing is, the people have got to remember what community spirit is. So when they get those gaps, they come back. Unfortunately, and, uh, Dame Vera Lynn died earlier this year uh otherwise we'd have her singing we'll meet again uh, and that would give us an idea of of the dunkirk spirit the spirit of world war ii that got us through that community spirit i was brought up by people who fought world war ii and we had community spirit as were you and we've still got it because we, we've carried it on 
But some of these other families, like the ones I talked about that have had three generations of, of, of uh, life on benefits, they haven't really got that. They've got me, me, me. What can I have next? You know, that that's that's the way people have become. They're all very, very selfish. Indoctrinated. Uh, and, well, no, they're not. Well, if they are indoctrinated, they're indoctrinated with a real bad set of values as opposed to being indoctrinated with a good set of values as we were indoctrination isn't always a bad thing if if it if it gives you the, right, the right ideas direction. if it's yeah. in the right direction out of curiosity how long does it take to break a habit um depends on the habit don't don't ask me because i've got loads <laughs> Well, my point is what they're with the lockdowns and the shutdowns and you have to stay home. That's breaking a bunch of people's habits. The habit of the routines that you've built, going to work, taking your kids to school, um, you know, sports, all those kind of you're breaking all those habits. All those habits. I mean, here in the U.S., a lot of the states have been shut down since March. I mean, those habits are broken, more or less. People are yearning for the norm, the normalcy. And yeah, see, that's the point. They, they have to break it to the point where everybody goes like almost to the point of insane. And then see, they have to have a justification. They have to have a justification to bring in the new system. And the new system will offer normalcy, but it's going to come with stipulations. We know what those stipulations are. Yeah. So they, yeah, they have to get people... Point. Yeah, they have to get people to demand it, though, is is that's what it has to be. That's why you're seeing it. Look, we don't want the system. OK, that, it's as simple as that. We do not want this new system. We know where it goes. Those of us that understand and can see behind the curtain, as you put it, Marty, we know where it goes. I don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of that. And I will do everything that I can as long as I am here uh, to fight against that. I will. I will. Uh, okay, but finishing off here, rounding off, the return to live sport planned for October 1 now will not go ahead. So you're not going to have – football's not going to come back? No, it's not. And the thing is, the real money in football had moved to the TV show, you know, the the, the TV rights anyway. The um, the big franchises that, that run the football, Sky Sports, Barclays, B-Sport, but yeah, all, all those – Streaming, yeah, you know, the people who've got the TV rights are still making the money and they're still able to play the ridiculously inflated wages of the players. As you know, I'm a rugby fan as opposed to football anyway, and I want to see rugby back on the TV and I want to go to a rugby match. I do want to go and uh, enjoy that. But we're not going to get the chance. You won't see me shedding a tear for football. Football could end tomorrow as far as I'm concerned. Hey, hey. But rugby is much more important. Rugby is real life. Uh, football is for overpaid... Ballerinas? Ballerinas uh, and, and, and the masses. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's bread and circuses, as you've said many times before. And religion... You know, is a way of subjugating the masses. Well, football does the same. Um, so, yeah, the professional football can do one as far as I'm well, concerned. Well, I mean, you can actually, in the football in this country, you can actually use that as a premise, like what goes on today. It used to be for the family, for the people. Now it's not, they can't even afford it. If, a, if um, one father was to take one of their children to a football match, it's going to cost them two or three hundred quid. Yeah. 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 And basically, they and that's for the ones that, I mean, and if you want a season ticket, if you're mad, but then they go out and they pay £50 for a, a shirt. All these football but, clubs are changing the shirts every so often. And yet, 
it's become acceptable. Yeah, that that's where the real money is. And and that's why they're able to make these kind of decisions because all these oligarchs that have bought football clubs or Arab princes that have bought football clubs know that their income isn't going to be hugely affected by not having the crowd there because of the merchandise, because of the TV rights. So they're probably taking a 25, 30% hit, but they're still getting 70% without all the outlay because they can get rid of all the stewards, the staff that everyone needed for crowd control, the money that they have to pay to the police forces, the local authority uh, to police their matches. They are but still it's all making about acceptance. The people have accepted it no matter what extreme it's got to. It's a horrible, horrible example, but it's a true example of how far people will go. Okay, well, that remains to be seen because, uh, and I'm inclined to agree with you, but that that remains to be seen because we're seeing the extreme fines that are now uh, coming out. So let's see how far they go with that. Yes, they've got a couple out there they've set an example with, but businesses will have a legal requirement to enforce the rule of six. Okay, I I have a little bit of a problem when the government comes in and says, uh, okay, yeah, you're going to do this because we tell you to. No. No, I don't like that. Also, the fines will be doubled for not uh, wearing face masks to 200 pounds. And as announced at the weekend, there will be fines for Brits who defy orders to isolate, which would be the 10,000 pound uh, fine <laughs> if you if you break a forced isolation. I, I would like to see how well they enforce that when they try to uh, start doling those things out. Boris Johnson told the nation, I'm sorry that this will affect businesses who have just got back up on their feet. Well, then why are you doing it, Boris? Why are you doing it? Why, why are you following the orders? But we must it's act not. to stop the virus that's being transmitted in restaurants and bars. Is there proof of that? Or, or is he just belching it out? And in a grave message to young people, uh, young people, I love this. How about to, to the mobs and the hordes in the streets that are being paid to be out there? In a grave message to young people who think that the virus is harmless, to them he stressed, people who aren't badly affected can pass it on. Your harmless cough can be someone else's death. See, it's all about everybody being suspect and not having trust in someone else. As you mentioned, Ned, about the fabric of the family and the community as a whole. Everything about this is designed to make people not trust people. See, they have to divide us from ourselves. This doesn't work any other way. They have to divide us from ourselves. If we don't see each other's facial expressions, if we don't have a public identity, which is that's what it's all about. If we don't have the ability to interact with people in close proximity, if we don't have the ability to shake hands, gain that trust with somebody or to attend each other's events or, or whatever as a community, well, then you don't have that unified front. If people can't be unified, then they can't fight back against anything, can they? So let's round off here on this. And we're, we're way over, but since we got you in here, Marty, I know you don't come on that often. And since we got Ned here, let, let's round off on this. Let's round off on, because you had some opinions about this earlier today, and, and I wanted to get your, your thought on it uh, just here on the end. Where is the Boris Johnson about getting the UK back in its in its form of independence. Now it seems like he signed on to uh, this whole great reset thing because all these points that he's talking about, this is coming right out of 2030, all of it. This is coming right out of 2030. It's coming right out of the, the World Economic Forum. This is right out of the Great Reset. What has got Johnson signed on to this? Why Why do you think that is? Well, before the, um, uh, the EU referendum, you know, Boris works for a newspaper as well. He was, he was a journalist, um, and he was writing, uh, he wrote two articles, one supporting Brexit and one against Brexit for Remain. He wrote those two articles and decided which one to go with after the result of the referendum. 
and I think he uh, he just blows with the wind. His family's rich. He's got money uh, himself, and there was a falling out with his brother, another Conservative MP, before the election. I think he's been, and I, I hate to say it, because I voted for him to get Brexit to happen, not because of this. Obviously, no one voted for A lot of people this. did. A lot of people did. A lot of Labour voters uh, did as well. Yeah, yeah. But his his um, opposite number in the in the House of Commons, Keir Starmer, he's a lawyer by you know by trade and uh, for a lot of these human rights cases, uh, largely to do with people who were illegal immigrants and um, uh, and were resisting their deportation. So that's where he comes from. That's his angle. I think he's as bought and paid for as our friend on LBC. Do you know what? I've forgotten his name. Oh, James O'Brien. I think he's a, a bought and paid for mouthpiece. I think Boris is bought and paid for. They are part of the problem. And anything that comes out of the man's mouth from now on, he's a, he's a proven liar anyway. And I voted for him knowing that. And I think this, we no one expected this. If anything, he should be coming out with rhetoric along the lines of what are we going to do to China to punish them for, you know, COVID. But he's not. And as we know, the chain of events and the different organisations and the different countries that culminated in COVID-19 extends further than China. And that's from your research, Bruce's research, the little bit of research that I've done, largely I listen to you guys and then pick the, the bones out of it. So um, in a nutshell, and to end, I think Boris is a traitor and I'm I'm not at all happy that I voted for the Conservative Party to put that man in power. Ned, your thoughts on uh, Boris Johnson and the actions that he's taken? Well, you know my uh, simple answer to it. It's just like a uh, free-for-all in Parliament. It's 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 not what they're chuntering on about. It's what they don't say. And I'm sorry, one's as bad as the other. There is no good format. There's nobody there that stands out. And there's nobody saying anything in favour of what the people want to hear or, or, or to help them. It is, just seems like it's, uh, say, an orchestrated happening. And it's just leading on from one thing to another. And I don't know. I don't know. I haven't... I, I, I couldn't actually happily stand here and say, like Marty, I've got faith in anybody at all within the political system. And that seems to be the uh, the consensus on both sides of the pond. I mean, Bruce and I are kind of the same way. And I know a lot of uh, Americans that I talk to, I mean, of all all areas of the political spectrum, they don't feel like they can trust anybody. And uh, that that's not a good thing. But at the same time, that's that's also something that the larger agenda plays to as well is they have to destroy our trust in our institutions. That has to be a part of it. Because once they destroy that trust in our institutions, then we'll be more apt to say, oh, well, um, that didn't work. So uh, we, hey, we got this other system right here that that will work. Uh, but, we, you know, we have to try. Yeah. Isn't that what we hear? We have to try. So I'm not saying that the uh, the UK system, I mean, I, I'm familiar with, with basically how your system works. I, I've done a lot of research in it. And I don't think it's the system that's the problem, to be fair. And it's the same thing with the US. It's not the system that's the problem. It's the corruption that's within it. That's the problem. And uh, we, we've talked about the need to abolish political parties. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of on board with that 
you know, I, I think it's time to get rid of them. And we need parliaments of, of independence in there. We need people that we stand with on ideas, not political lines, right? Political parties have done nothing but balkanize uh, everybody and, and turned everybody against each other. They've turned us back into uh, a tribalistic type of conflict. And, and we've lost all this progress, right? 5,000 years of progress. We're losing it uh, because, because of what? Uh, a bunch of sellout, know-nothing politicians? Uh, come on. Come on. Just a couple of little nuggets. I know I know we're getting way past time, but uh Napoleon, now he was French, damn their eyes. And and you know, you know my opinion of the French, but he said one thing that has we always have French struck listeners, me. merci beaucoup. Ah, uh, bonjour mon brave. He said that religion was just a way of stopping the poor from killing the rich. And religion isn't doing that anymore. So that the rich have had to find another way of controlling the masses and that's what's happening with covid you know religion is not stop, is is not controlling everybody anymore and we we were getting out of hand so they've accelerated their their end game as you say the other thing is as far as political leaders are concerned as i said earlier before we started uh, recording anyone who stands up and says i want to be a member of parliament or i want to be in congress or i want to be in the senate should be immediately disqualified from doing so because you know at the center of it is an ego that is um is going to do anything to get there they'll say anything they'll do anything to get that power because they're power hungry and that's what this is all about power can i just put just a thought for people to think about at the end of this because basically everything is driven by money and the money is just a tool. Like all tools, if it's misused, there's never a good end game in that, is there? I mean, with wealth comes responsibility. If you have, say, um, a wealthy person in the family, yeah, because at the end of the day, we're all in one family, whether it's the US, whether it's the UK, no matter what, what country it is, yeah, it's responsibility of that person that's better off or wealthy within the family to look after the others it's not to be misused otherwise it's not going to go forward with any grace whatsoever and we're going to come out with a mess you know it's always nice when we get a new guest on we, we were always going to give you the uh, the final thought anyway that's what i was about to do so you just kind of you went ahead and you took it upon yourself so um it's uh it's nice uh, nice to sit down and meet you ned i actually hadn't talked to you until you came in tonight so uh, i want to thank you for coming on uh thank you for voicing your opinion and it's been a real pleasure having you here and you're welcome back anytime we're here every night same time so you're welcome to stop in here and uh and put your two cents in you say you're tired of being neutral you're tired of sitting on the sidelines well so were we well you know we, yeah, we were tired of sitting on the sidelines neutra- too neutrality of need isn't it where like marty yeah. says he feels like he's in a rut there's a yeah. lot of people there well it, there is there is because a lot of people feel like that they've been abandoned they they feel like that there's no one that's talking about their interests i mean i i talked about it last night you turn on the tv and watch the mainstream media i don't care i mean i get uk press here i get all the majors you know sky news bbc uh, uh channel four I, I mean i get all that stuff here and it's garbage it's garbage. No offense, but it's it's garbage. It's the same thing with the U.S. It's the same thing with the U.S. CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, NBC. It, it's it's crap. It's crap. So we're the ones. The Times have brought us here, right? And I'm not talking about the Times of London either. I'm not talking about the Financial Times. The Times. The Times have brought us here. So it's our responsibility now to sit down and have these conversations that need to be had in people's circles. And so we are going to have to end here. We are way over on time, but. 
uh, I think it was well worth it. I think it was well worth it. So I want to thank all of you for sitting down tonight. For those of you who have not and you'd like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. We love getting all of your likes, your echoes, your comments, and your upvotes. You can follow me over there at janderson 3 or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us and you don't want to do it via social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends and family. We're trying to grow our audience here as much as possible. We know we have a lot of new listeners, and we really appreciate you passing the word along. Uh, because as I said, we're trying to promote good, healthy conversation in and amongst people's circles. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We are on Audible now. I mentioned it earlier, uh, and I, I've mentioned it the last couple of days. Uh, that's the new podcast platform that's been launched by Amazon. So we are on all Echo devices, all Fire TVs, Kindles, uh, and the like uh, all across uh, the world. So we're available on that as well. Also, if you're rating podcast, we would ask you to drop over to Apple Podcasts or over to any respective platform you listen to us on that has a rating system and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce, Marty, and Ned, thank you guys for your time tonight. Au revoir. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.